0: Give them something to
1: talk about. <laughs> that was perfect because I started recording right when you, <laughs> right before you started singing. Of course. Of course I did.
0: Hi everybody, welcome to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: And my name's Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimguard and Anthology of Dark Fantasy, as well as the Grimguard role-playing game, and I had never watched Avatar before until now. If you've been following along on our podcast, then you know that we review two episodes every podcast. And today we have arrived at Season 2, Episode 13, The Drill. Now, I was in, I, I, as I was just telling Amanda before we started recording, I was in tensed anticipation because Netflix put, put this on as a two-parter. It, where, like, the drill mm-hmm. is part two of what, for some reason, is a one hour thing, which I mean, I guess it makes sense. But the last episode ended on such a cliffhanger. And all I could wonder was how were they going to handle Fire Lord Ozai's giant drill?
0: <laughs> He's just that, too.
1: <laughs> I've been really wondering and wondering what this episode of the podcast may devolve into so buckle up right? everyone
0: <laughs> buckle in buckaroos it's gonna be a bumpy ride it
1: is it it might get pretty bumpy around here um episode 13 the drill it is written by michael dante di martino and brian kanetsko uh it is directed by uh giancarlo Volpi. so we've got like the top of the line people in on this we have the creators of the show we have my 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 favorite director in on this one Mm -hmm. the bar is set high for what this episode was going to hold in store
0: oh yeah
1: uh it's animated by dr movie and the episode aired september 15th 2006 uh the imdb rating for the drill is 8.9 out of 10 very very high rating.
0: Yeah, I was kind of surprised by this rating. Um, like, not that it's... Uh, from what I understand, back in the day, this actually was not a well-received episode. Um, like, not that it was bad or anything, but it just it didn't have the high rating that it has now. So I guess that people are starting to appreciate it more because it's not a big character piece, as we'll talk about. It's more mm-hmm. of a giant action scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like. 25 minutes of just straight action, which is great. Um, because the action's great. Yeah. But uh yeah, so I'm kind of surprised that people didn't care for it back in the day, but it started to like grow its, I don't know, it's its score, I guess. Yeah.
1: Well, take us away with some fun facts.
0: All right. So for our first fun fact, this episode, and we kind of already talked about this, but this episode and The Serpent's Pass aired together as a one-hour special, Avatar Secrets of the Fire Nation. With 4.4 million viewers, this special is the second highest rated amongst the viewers behind Sozin's Comet, which is the finale, the four-part finale of the series. Right. Now, this this is weird. This is weird because (laughs) um, there are, yeah, as, (laughs) let me tell you, there are two, two two-parters, like giant two-parters, like you cannot miss these in season three before the finale of the show. Okay. And I would have figured that those would have had those kind of numbers, like not this, like not that this is bad, but it's just like, this is kind of mid season of season two. Whereas the other two, two-parters in uh, season three are like gigantic monumental milestones that you cannot miss. Like, <laughs> so it's just kind of interesting to me that this is the second highest viewed, like two-parter right behind the finale, which is a four-parter. Right. Um. Yeah, sorry. That's just something interesting as someone that knows the show and, you know, knows the episodes coming up, you know, it's like, wow, interesting. Um, this second episode, or not the second episode, the second fun <laughs> fact, there we go, is uh, this episode reveals that while Katara can heal wounds, she cannot heal someone whose chi has been blocked because it is not a physical injury. It is right. a internal thing.
1: Well, Excuse I mean, me. I would think it um, makes sense because um, it would make sense if her healing was um, was accomplished by manipulating the chi inside their body, moving it like with the water bending, and if it's been blocked, that she can't very well use it for the healing. So it make, makes sense.
0: Exactly, and just I I know I keep saying this, but just keep in mind chi blocking. It it is a pretty big thing in this show, but in Legend of Korra, it is like so much bigger. Really? Like you'll see. Oh yeah. But is it bigger than
1: Fire Lord Ozai's giant drill?
0: Uh, Saw that coming. Um anyway. Um at the end, uh our fun wow, I cannot talk today. I'm sorry, I didn't mean
1: to get you so flustered talking about this giant drill. (laughs)
0: Oh my god. Um our third fun fact is that at the end of the episode, Sokka comes up with several nicknames for the group. Ironically, though Katara stated that the, that the name Team Avatar would never catch on, the term is commonly used by fans and was later used in Legend of Korra by the new group of heroes. Um,
1: oh my gosh, that's so funny.
0: Yeah, no, Team Avatar is definitely, and I, Sokka actually uses that later. I know he uses it in Season 3, the Team Avatar moniker. Um, for me, I always call them the gang like gang with the ang spelled like, <laughs> it's just the gang like i think it works
1: <laughs> not not the not the boomerang um, not 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 that one
0: right the boomerang squad it's it's just got gang. In it. come on <laughs> right
1: <laughs> you've you referred um, to and them as then... team avatar too or in the earlier episodes of the podcast
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah, no. I mean that in the gang. Those are those are my names, and I'm going to stick to it.
1: <laughs> I had that like Leonardo um, DiCaprio pointing at the screen moment without even knowing that. I was <laughs> just like, wait a minute, Team Avatar. Didn't the fandom use that? That's...
0: I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> um, our fourth and final fact is that the Avatar theme music that plays during the or in the background as Aang delivers the final blow to the drill was specifically designed for that moment. And boy, when I tell you. I get chills every single time. Like when that music starts revving up and he's like, you know, getting ready to run up the wall. I'm like, let's fucking go. <laughs> I get so excited. That's
1: great. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: the The entire Avatar theme is one of my favorite just pieces of music in Avatar. Just like every time it plays when he goes into the Avatar state when like a big epic moment happens, it never fails to send just full body chills. It's so good
1: so yeah no that is great especially because the the soundtrack for the show is already phenomenal and you know obviously Mm -hmm. they you know with 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 a a show there's a lot of reused themes I mean obviously they can't reorchestrate every single episode with unique music all to itself um but yeah no the 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 fact that they had a very special piece made for that moment yeah really justifies that this is a major climax in a a big you know two-parter episode so it was it was mm-hmm. it was huge it was huge and they i say kind of stepping into the episode that it, as this kind of our way of like hitting the ending first and then going back because we always <laughs> do this um I actually the one of the best things about the episode is the big dramatic build throughout the episode of the stakes getting higher and higher leading up to that moment like of all the things in the episode that i may have good or bad things to say about um the the <laughs> the, the episode does build really well on the previous drama you have the the fact that the drill is there in the very first place the discovery of the drill that ang brings back then you have the and bringing it to the to the, um uh, bossing say military on the wall, the wall defense. And they don't seem concerned. So immediately it kind of takes us on a high and then relaxes us. And then we find out really quickly that their defenses are not going to work. Especially not... Uh, with with Ozai's angels out there clearing the battlefield so all of a sudden it, it, it once again the drama amps up again but don't worry they've got a plan they're gonna go and take care of it so again the, the the drama mounts up even higher and then they go inside and they have to figure out how to sabotage the struts and they find out that the first plan is not going to work so once again the drama amps up even higher and now they're starting to drill into the wall and now the group has to split up after they implement their own plan as they're being pursued you know by Azula and the others and so then they have to split up and there's one conflict taking place outside and then another one taking place as ang is there trying to figure out how to make it work and then azula appears and fights him and the drama's even higher like the (laughs) stakes keep getting raised and it's really, really well done in the episode. The way it leads to that very final conclusion, that con- that climactic moment of Aang delivering the final blow, which the whole time I wasn't really sure what delivering the final blow was going to look like in my mm-hmm. brain. I wasn't sure if it meant like a really big pointy rock being like hurled down like a missile. I wasn't sure if it was going to be an air airbending, like, like, a, like a pile drive of wind. I mean, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a giant dagger of water. Like I didn't know what it was going to be
0: like I said in the beginning, this is just one giant action scene, basically. Um, And so, you know, you do have obviously lulls in that action. But for the most part, it is Team Avatar has one goal, take down this machine at any cost. And they, like you said, they do it several different ways. And they realize, huh, this isn't going to work. We got to try a different way. And So I really love when plans fail the first time. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, it just makes it so much more believable and like realistic and kind of relatable that, oh, well that wasn't gonna be as easy as we thought. So now we gotta like brainstorm and, you know get back together when we have an idea. Like, um, and I love that Sokka's kind of, Sokka and Toph together are the ones that kind of give them the idea of, you know, not taking down from the inside um every single bracket of the drill but kind of just weakening them and then delivering as we keep saying that final blow um which is great and i love that she kind of implements uh the earth bending technique of that like never putting a hundred percent of your you know power behind any one blow right um i love that kind of stuff and it just it makes so much sense and I don't know if there would have been an easier way to take down that thing, like just with the four of them. But like the way that they did end up doing it was really cool.
1: Um, okay, so here's where my first negative came in. Uh oh. Which which was how they decided to take down the drill, because while they sold the necessity for the plan, they went with okay. <laughs> I didn't buy it. <laughs> the the whole as i was
0: just like oh i love that no i don't like it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no because well because here's the thing what they decided to do they did it really well but the entire time they were doing it from the start of the episode i'm watching the way this thing is progressing and the way it's built and everything i'm looking right at this thing and i'm like why don't you just literally make a giant hole? and just drop the thing straight down into the big <laughs> hole. This thing is like a 7000 foot like drill bit. If you knock it down where it's like face is stuck straight down in the dirt, which you can do, I mean, we've we've seen before if toff can defy The god of knowledge of knowledge the spirit (laughs) of knowledge and hold this gigantic palace up against the spiritual might of the spirit world with her two hands on like the pinprick (laughs) tower of the thing she can walk and drop this thing down into like a chasm its own size and just bury it again
0: i'm okay you're not wrong
1: (laughs) or or just put take a giant like slab of stone and like push tip it backward until it falls like this thing is horribly constructed it's awful
0: (laughs) um okay you're not wrong um there they probably could have gone a bunch of different ways with it, I just don't really think about it because I'm like, it's a show. Like, you got to have more than just one solution, you know? Um, or a very easy, simple solution. <laughs> but it solution. would have been
1: super easy. And I'm just, the whole time, I'm just like, why? <laughs> I, and, and of course, I'm suspending because I'm like, I get it. For sake of there being a story, we have to have some way, some meaningful right. way of going inside. And But I'm just like, there's like so many easy ways. Don't just drop rocks on the thing. What are you, Ewoks? <laughs> like... Just, <laughs>
0: Ewok logic. (laughs)
1: Ewok logic. (laughs) The
0: Fire Nation is not like, they actually spend good money on their technology, unlike the Empire. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, goodness. Like, what what I didn't see, even watching it this time around, I I do agree, but I was thinking, you know, Toph was on the outside because she can't see inside because it's metal, you know? So she had to stay outside. I'm like, okay, why couldn't she, like, Maybe turn the ground that it's like, you know, barreling on into like some kind of sand or like something mud or just something that would slow it down a bit so that it couldn't move. Like when you get stuck, when your car gets stuck in mud or whatever, like, you know, something like that. Like (laughs) instead, she and not that she wasn't helping, obviously, but it's just like, I feel like she could have done something more. Um, like, smart to help out instead of just shooting the rocks up to you the... could have
1: turned the ground into, like... She could have turned the ground into, like, a treadmill of rock that the thing is, like, it's going forward but it's not really going anywhere, that the ground is like right. just kind of sliding underneath of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, it, yeah. It, see, the um, the problem is that they kind of outsmarted themselves because they've so, shown <laughs> us so many clever and incredible things that Earthbound right? can do and shown that Toff's feet level is really high, and now we're just like, eh.
0: Yeah, to be fair, um, you know, not to say that I don't think that anything that they would have done Earth, like on the Earth wise. Wow, that made no sense what I just said. But Anyway, (laughs) I don't think that anything she could have done would have fully stopped it. Um, But at least it could have been slowed down a bit so that Aang and Sokka and Katara could do some damage on the inside. But yeah, again, it's like one of those things where I just don't think about it. You know, it's just like, okay, this is what it is. Like, this is, they're 12. Like, that's the thing. They're still 12 year olds. Like,
1: I know, know. I know. It's just, it's just, I'm (laughs) seeing there being like, these are grown military guys on the wall, and then 12 year olds with like godlike powers. And we're just like, man this is what we're left with okay here's the other thing too here's the other thing oh my
0: goodness remember
1: remember how i gotta get this out of my system remember how they were like we need to get close enough to the thing so don't worry i'll create a giant dust cloud Mm -hmm. that will surely hide us as we get close enough (laughs) right and then i'm like okay cool they're going to they're going to get up next to the thing using the dust cloud and i'm like not the most subtle tactic but okay i guess the fire nation guys aren't that bright either i mean they thought mo they thought momo was an earthbender um (laughs) right and so so i'm thinking to myself okay so they're just gonna go but then when they get close enough quote unquote they just tunnel under the ground for the last like 50 feet and i'm like why didn't you tunnel from the start then we nobody on board would have seen this giant, really suspicious dust cloud coming over, and like Azula and her her Gallopals pals would not have been alerted to you. Why did you just burrow right from this? Was there a reason you couldn't?
0: Well, I think that the reasoning is that Toph would be the only one that would be able to see, um, and since you know she's blind and she can use the earth, but. Yeah. Yeah, that is another thing that I noticed that too. I was like, huh, interesting. <laughs> um,
1: I, I know, I, I just like, I'm just like, it should have been way easier only because they've shown us the colossal power of what earthbending can do and how versatile it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, for that matter, they could have just like slingsh like like catapulted with, with dirt the whole drill, just like off into the, into the distance.
0: Like eat it. <laughs> yes
1: or just like raise one really big like pinnacle of dirt underneath the thing where it's like you can't move forward it's just kind of tottering on top yeah you know
0: (laughs) there's there's a bunch of different things that they could could have done but like i said i like the lesson that he learned the ang learned um about like i said not putting a hundred percent of your power into any one move or strike which or is all of the out. things
1: i've suggested which arguably could work and arguably there's ways those could might not have worked but i'm just like there's so many more things we could have tried beforehand
0: yeah i guess that they were under stressful but under
1: stressful
0: <laughs> they're under stress they they're had, 12 years old they don't they know had, what they're they doing they had
1: saka the idea guy forming this idea we all know that saka makes things way more complicated than they have to be
0: <laughs> he's a genius dumbass my favorite kind of character <laughs> literally that is my one of my favorite character tropes um but speaking of that um that actually is a moment i thought was really smart in the episode was when they first get into the drill and sokka like wrecks one of the pipes so that they have to have the mechanic come down so that they can steal plans i'm like yes that's so smart i love it and
1: one of the smartest uses of bending in the episode was when uh um the guy's walking through all the steam And then Mm. Katara comes on and uses the steam to freeze the guy in place. Like the whole thing, just like Water Tribe.
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) I love my babies. Um, So yeah, uh, let's. I'm curious now because we talked a bit about the drill, but let's talk about the second story going on, which is Aang, or I was going to say Aang (laughs) with Zuko um, and Iroh refugee life <laughs> like
1: the refugee life of Aang and Zuko overall yeah I, I, of Aang and Zuko, excuse me of Iroh and Zuko the we
0: both just messed up <laughs> it's fine
1: the refugee life of Iroh and Zuko I really like it it's interesting to see it's interesting to see um it's interesting to see Zuko very slowly growing we're watching mm-hmm. him um You know we're we're watching him um mature we're watching jet kind of playing the sort of devil on his shoulder as he's like hey you want to join the freedom fighters and i'm like i have a feeling Mm -hmm. i know what your freedom fighters do jet and i don't think there's any (laughs) actual freedom that's being fought for here i think you just want to steal stuff
0: (laughs) just want to steal stuff
1: freedom fighters the freedom from having to pay for things Mm mm-hmm yeah um i like the way that zuko stuck to his guns where he's just like no and i'm like that's right zuko you have learned firm boundaries and that you don't need to say yes to everyone that's good you value your time you value your family <laughs> right. that's good what a twist though with jess catching Iroh heating up his tea i thought that was like super clever a super clever hook there that he gets served the cold tea and then he's like ah now it's steaming I didn't catch it at first and I was like
0: really minute, oh my how...
1: god and then one more so that I needed to do a double take I was like wait why is his tea steaming wasn't he just complaining a second ago and I was like firebenders and the jet yeah. was like firebenders and I was like you saw it too
0: you see the moment though um when I think it's when jet uh, like calls Zuko over to talk to him you see Iroh kind of turn and we don't see what he's doing but when he turns back the tea is hot and you're like oh my god in plain sight you fucking idiot well
1: right and especially thinking to thinking to yourself you would be like how how easy is that i mean i thought to myself man all a firebender would have to do is like blow on the tea like what we would normally do <laughs> right. to cool off tea and he could literally heat it up
0: yeah no and i'm like and I I give it a pass because I'm like, you know what? It's tea. This is literally Ira's favorite thing in the world. <laughs> like so if he was going to blow his cover, it would be for tea. <laughs> like it makes sense.
1: I mean, it's l- on brand. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, though, like the way I am, if if they had given me bacon that wasn't crispy enough at some place I was eating and I was a firebender, I would still probably like <laughs> right. Let <laughs> just get it like perfectly crispy, just the way I like it.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no, and this actually Iroh has so many incredible, heartfelt, like just you put it up on a poster lines, and we've talked about several of them that he's had so far. But this actually might be my favorite. <laughs> it's so stupid. Which one? The, um... <laughs> I know you're not supposed to cry over spilled tea, but it's just so sad. <laughs> like the way he says the lie, he's like sniffling and about to cry. It's the funniest thing ever. I seriously thought oh he was god. going to
1: just burst out into tears over it and just openly weep. He
0: would. Oh my god, his love of tea is like incredible i love
1: it <laughs> <But it's laughs> and only... i
0: personally don't like tea so i think it's hilarious
1: what you don't like tea
0: <laughs> okay listen i'm, I'm sorry if my... i
1: iroh and you zuko right
0: now <laughs> literally um saying you don't like tea like, no. is
1: like saying you don't like breathing amanda <laughs>
0: I know. I literally have Zuko, Uncle. That's what all tea is. (laughs) Um, Dirty leaf water. It is. Um, Yeah, I grew up in Texas, as you know, but like, I grew up around sweet tea and like cold iced tea. And I never liked it. And then I tried like hot tea and maybe I just didn't have it right. Or maybe I didn't make it right. But it just did not speak to me. I was like, I want to like this so bad because I feel like I would be a hot tea person, not a cold tea. But maybe I just need to try, like, I don't know, Jasmine or something because the flavor I had was not good. (laughs) What did you have?
1: What did you don't hold on? Don't tell me you had Earl Grey because I'm sorry. Earl Grey
0: is trash. (laughs) Earl Grey is trash. I don't remember. I think it might have been like chai or it was like one of the common types. So Mm. it might have been Earl Grey, but But I don't don't like Earl
1: Grey and I don't like chai. So yeah come here and i will make you i will make you a proper i will make you a proper good black tea my favorite blend and i'll make sure it gets a little cream in it which you put in before you put the tea in every why
0: do you do it before
1: because then you don't have to stir it
0: well, but isn't stirring like part of the thing for tea? Like that's no. I thought that, no. that helps. In
1: in England, when you make your works. tea in England, you put the they put the milk in first and then the tea goes on top of it so that you just pour and then you can just drink it.
0: There we go. I'm learning new things every day. I have no see, idea.
1: <laughs> see, I will show you see. the ways of tea, the tea bending.
0: <laughs> yes, that is Iro sub-bending. <laughs> He oh lear- goodness. he
1: learned a lot from his studies of the water <laughs> the, the water nation water tribe. yeah the water tribe
0: yes <clears throat> so, yeah, so um
1: i really really like i really really like that subplot and so here's my hot take on the episode my hot take on the episode <laughs> is and this is why it was so jarring when you brought it up because it was such a shift in focus for me from like the drill you ready for my pun the drill bit in the episode
0: Uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean we all knew it was gonna happen we knew the drill yeah like the action was cool and everything and the fighting was good and like the plan was kind of like eh, like it's cool and it has a cool lesson but like again arguably was this trip really necessary Mm -hmm. the drill part of the episode up until like when we were getting really close to the end it was actually kind of underwhelming for me hey. it was actually really underwhelming because the whole time here let me take you through my thought process on it okay guys there's got to be like four easy ways to knock this thing over and like <laughs> i don't know why we're not trying at least trying them before we let team Av- team avatar sick the idea guy on this one and then okay who thought of doing the combo dust cloud and then the tunneling thing is that like come on guys and then they're like forever chopping the first beam and i'm just like checking my watch kind of i'm like guys this is all real interesting but like what are we actually doing this seems like a really dumb idea to go thinking you're gonna cut everything so the whole time i was just kind of agonized over their plan i'm like this is kind of dumb <laughs> and it got redeemed when they like fixed the plan that they're like oh you know we don't we we do need to cut each of the support beams part way and i'm like okay well there's some intelligence coming in but like kind of late in the game here guys and by then like ozai's angels are already after them and i'm like guys this plan is really is really going off the rails at this point <laughs> point." and it wasn't until like the big triumphant moments and there were two of them for me one was when is it ty lee that decided to jump mm-hmm. in the water after them this was so satisfying because while i love them they are a little bit op the ozai's angels and i'm just like okay come on mm-hmm. guys like you could literally encase them in ice like five feet thick and they wouldn't be able to do anything to you but like you're not <laughs> come on really it was that moment when she like follows them through and qatar just holds back the water with her in it and i'm like okay thank you like thank you and i was so it was so satisfying to see her there just like stuck but then i was like she gonna die like she gonna die in there that's a lot of water pressure to be I have a human body and it's a kid's show so nothing's gonna happen but i'm like you'd be right. you'd be dead for sure with that much water pressure and you being held between magic spirit power and like 50 trillion gallons of water all being concentrated on your body you'd be dead
0: right
1: so that was a real cool moment of like foiling the bad guys also real mm-hmm. clever writing when and i and this is the one i and i apologize i i know azula and i know ty Lee, but who's the other one again whose name i keep forgetting may 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 was the one who didn't want to jump in because she's like ew and i was like that's what a great Achilles heel for the bad guys, but sometimes they're just like, "Ew."
0: No, I'm good.
1: I'm good. I don't want to do that. She can Honestly, shoot her blue relatable. fire at me all she wants.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> Healthy boundaries from the Fire Nation in this episode. Really good guys. Right. As we're ramming a giant drill into Bosting Se. anyway. So
0: into Bosting State's walls. <laughs> like, oh my God, guys! You made it too easy.
1: <laughs> okay and then what well, we already talked about the triumphant moment the final blow delivered that was a very cool moment a very very cool moment
0: you know for me the big saving grace of the whole episode is the big finale with Aang delivering that final yep. blow i think it is so exciting so just invigorating um you know one of those action scenes like him versus azula that i go back to and rewatch just because i find it so fast paced and so energetic and i love just watching it
1: um, it's just like, there were so many missteps I felt like in the plan on the part of the way I really felt like it was the good guys were having trouble getting traction. And while it added to the drama, it actually kind of took away from the drama too. For me, it was a great buildup and it came to a satisfying end but the whole drill thing I was just seeing I'm like okay guys like is this actually gonna work or is the plan gonna get revised like for a third time so it actually for me the whole drill thing was kind of underwhelming it was actually a weaker <laughs> point of the episode for me it's amazing action but I was like it eh. so the stuff with uh <laughs> with with uh Iroh and Zuko is actually some of my favorite stuff the intrigue Mm -hmm. of having jet and is jet going to blow their cover when they get into the city. Like it was just, it was just really, really good. And there was a lot of drama there. And I, you know, I don't, it it could be me just following up on the like character stuff is more exciting to me than the action. The action was great, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but like, I, I, I was too distracted by like thinking through their plan and the whole Mm -hmm. thing of just a gigantic dream. Just a gigantic drill bit going into the city i'm just like (laughs) okay okay really it's
0: like tony stark says not a great plan
1: (laughs) no it kind of struck me like in monsters inc where they're trying to figure out how to get boo out of of monstropolis and they're trying to figure out whether to use a giant slingshot or use a giant trojan horse and i'm just like why don't just use a giant drill it really, it really got summed up, I think, really well in, and I have to, I have to include this quote from the next episode, when Sokka okay. is on the train going into the city, and he's like, how do you know we could get attacked by a giant Fire Nation spoon?
0: <laughs> right. Like,
1: you know what, Sokka, you might be right, because that's about where we're at.
0: <laughs> so what would you rank this episode then after all that?
1: Well... It's a kind of a law of averages on this because I gotta rank how good I liked the good parts of the episode, how exciting the action was, versus what I felt was kind of in all honesty, a kind of a flabby premise of like, look, the fire Nation has built a giant super weapon kind of to mm-hmm. attack bossing say, and we have a super special plan to attack the exhaust port I mean to cut all the support struts and make it blow up um overall i gotta give the episode like a 7.0 it's good it's not bad but it's not great it did what it was supposed to do it delivered what intended to do which was a very exciting um action sequence and and show a a clever plan and all the members of team avatar working together but like i said it just kind of it was okay for me it was okay there's been so much better action in the show than having to bring a gigantic drill bit to go smash into the walls of things. say i was like all right
0: that's totally fair um i think i'm gonna give it an eight just because i think i like it more than you but i totally get what you're saying when you're like yeah this this plan is kind of stupid <laughs> Um, if you don't think about it It's fun you know yeah. I, I love all the Action and I love like you said the uh, Zuko and Iroh and Jet stuff that's Happening um, So I would give it a solid eight i am I'm curious to see What you'll think if maybe your mind might Change by the end of the season That's all I'll say about this episode Okay because I have a feeling that a lot of people felt That way the way that you feel yeah. When it In- first came out
1: Yeah what you were saying
0: and that they felt that it might have been more fillerish than the average season two episode but
1: yeah as usual (laughs) lots of things in the in the in the series come back and get revisited and it changes the way we look back on something so i'm totally open about that and and if so if that does happen i will gladly match your eight instead of my seven um (laughs) but i like to take the episodes you know as they stand and And I think that for me, one of the reasons why, as as sort of a final kind of a summary note, is this, when the threat that's posed in the episode, and this is just kind of like a writing thing, when the threat that's posed is almost absurdly big, Mm -hmm. that like, it's the end of the world if the bad guys win, it almost is like a foregone conclusion that the good guys are going to win. because it would be so catastrophic if they didn't the instant that ang said like everyone in the world is counting on us to like do this i'm like well now i know that you guys are just gonna win so it (laughs) kind of takes all the drama out of it like i'm sure you're going to do it in an exciting way but like i know the good guys are going to succeed it's not like it's not like a lot of gray story points where a lot of things have happened in the show that the good guys haven't won or they won but something else unbeknownst to them got set in motion and now other complications or other bad things are happening you know there's there's all kinds of ways that you can win but like it doesn't really completely remove the threat you know what i mean But in this Mm -hmm. scenario, the premise of the story was that something so absurdly threatening and huge is on the way. And I'm like, okay, well, we know we're going to beat it. It's just how. It's like Han Solo. Mm -hmm, It's like, well, how do we blow it up? There's always a way to do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's you're, you're totally right. And that's why I often don't get into shows like, you know, a bunch of anime shows like Dragon Ball Z or whatever, because it's always the end of the world. It's always like just and i'm like i don't care i know that the good guys are going to win because otherwise there's no show right exactly and that's um, the
1: thing in dragon ball z the stakes are always the end of the world like a lot of superhero movies and so the challenge for the writers mm-hmm. is to make something more interesting happen along the way amazing character growth or personal revelations or relationships being built in the midst of that struggle and when it became apparent that the team avatar side was going to like just teach a lesson and like nothing else major character wise was going to happen i was like oh okay that's it you guys beat the drill and we'll we'll see what's going on the problems with heating tea yourself
0: (laughs) right and speaking of that let's get into the next episode
1: (laughs) i know where we really spill the tea
0: i know right this episode's so good
1: (laughs) (laughs) this episode is actually super good uh episode 14 the city of walls and secrets uh episode 14 was written by tim hedrick it was directed by lauren McMullen, who as we've said several times now is is very famous with us for her heavy emphasis on Aang and the the character mm-hmm. character stuff built with him Uh, It's animated very, very nicely by JM Animation, and I got stuff to say about how good the animation is this (laughs) episode.
0: I figured you would.
1: (laughs) The episode aired September 22nd, 2006, and the IMDB rating for The City of Walls and Secrets is 8.6 out of 10. Too low. Too low? (laughs) Really?
0: Yes. We'll get into it now, but yes, I think that's way too low. (laughs) all right um so for our fun facts the episode's plot is slightly this one cracked me up is slightly similar to the movie robots the ewan mcgregor movie (laughs) and contains elements from george orwell's 1984 which is yeah totally accurate that
1: i that that i identified as we were as we were through it the The robots (laughs) though really
0: i know I had to really think about it because it's been a hot minute since I've seen that movie. I watched it all the time as a kid, um, and I'm like, okay, I kind of see it. It's like, you know, Rodney the robot. He wants to go into the big city, kind of like Bossing Say, and he wants to meet Big Weld, like who's the big adventure of the city and basically the king, which is exactly what the kids want to do. They want to meet the Earth King and there are forces preventing him from doing that the evil vizier type character so i'm like okay it's like definitely vague but i get it i guess <laughs> i definitely see the influence not really story wise but just vibe wise with 1984 cuz i read that book in high school and good god is it terrifying <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah the entire concept of a you know a culture for people who aren't familiar with the with George Orwell's 1984 the entire concept of a utopian culture that is kept utopian by the manipulation of information through brainwashing through just basically
0: surveillance
1: yeah surveillance and deceit you know you know re-education of the citizens when they fall out of line or um people people just kind of disappearing when they are either no longer hmm. useful or when they have screwed up
0: yeah it's terrifying and I love just the Orwellian dystopian vibe that Bossing say has under all, you know, it looks beautiful and it's, you know, it's run by a king and they run have these posh parties and and then it's just like, oh no, this place is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's awful. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of my favorite locations because of that. Because yeah. I love the just sort of the you know the split of it you're like wow it looks great but in reality it's a it's a nightmare it's- well
1: especially there's that like there's that comment that judy makes about like how there's the outer walls but then there's the inner walls for our safety yep. it's like
0: yeah <laughs> your safety quote unquote yep um so for our uh, second fun fact, in one scene when Aang is asked if they can see the Earth King, Judy states, one doesn't simply pop in on the Earth King. <laughs> this <laughs> is a reference to Lord of the Rings when Boromir states, one does not simply walk into Mordor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, that was good. That was good. As soon as she said that, I was like, Boromir? <laughs> Boromir
0: is that you? question mark. Oh, this is what you get when your show's run by
1: nerds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And then our third fun fact is that at the Earth King's party, the background music is the famous Chinese song, The Jasmine Flower. It is also heard faintly in the background of the Beifong estate in The Blind Bandit and serves as a sort of theme for the Beifong family. I really like that because it kind of like ties together how like, this is the, these are the rich earth people, you mm-hmm. know, the rich earth citizens, whether they're in the royal palace or the Beifong estate, because they're, like they said in the episode, one of the richest families in the earth kingdom, so it just kind of is like, we're the rich people theme. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really like that. Um, and our final, fourth and final fun fact is that the Dai Li police force was actually created by Avatar Kiyoshi. She organized the Dai Li to serve, protect, and be the official enforcement organization for the people of Ba Sing Se. Yeah, your race was just like, what?
1: <laughs> um, uh, okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> I told you. Now, to be fair, she did not create it to be an Orwellian. Oh, oh you yeah. Know, I'm, to be I'm an...
1: sure that, like, if they, if they were instituted <laughs> for the safety of the populace and their purpose got right. like, corrupted into what and it they is got now. corrupted, yeah. yes. Yeah.
0: Exactly. She would have been incredibly pissed. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh that's yeah, a big so not, oof. not a great big oof exactly. that's a big oof from <laughs> the spirit world she's just like i'm so embarrassed i'm sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> oh man all what the did other avatars all the
1: other avatars are there like like mulan's ancestors Staring looking at her. at her and they're just like yeah thanks a lot <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? the guy
1: with his head I in his hands
0: created the daily <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: oh boy um, the episode, first of all, is awesome. Um, going going back to to just the story in general, um, first of all, I, I repeat what I'd said earlier, and I, and I will now say the whole quote. When they're riding the train in, and Sokka says, when they're like, you know everything will be fine now i was like how do you know we could be we could be attacked by a giant fire nation spoon or find out the city is submerged in ocean full of killer shrimp and i just thought to myself man this guy's been watching the show
0: <laughs> he's <laughs> been hitting the cactus juice.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah she said that she's like i've been hitting the cactus juice. i'm like no he's been watching the show he knows what can happen right next thing you know the train will just go into the spirit world and they'll all be stuck there it's n- no special effort just like in the first time
0: just spirited away
1: <laughs> um but i really do love i really do love the build to it. the storytelling in this episode is is so good the just the, just the writing in general is just so good mm-hmm. in this in this episode Where as soon as they're off the train, then Judy shows up and we know instantly there's something wrong with that big Stepford wife smile plastered on her face, (laughs) you know, that too big of a smile because someone is watching her to make sure she's always smiling. And then she's kind of herding them around on this like tour, you know, she's moving them Mm -hmm. through trying to, in a way, kind of trying to get them used to the way things are supposed to be without outright telling them. Mm -hmm. you know she leads them through the districts and and shows them what things are like and she's like the are there they protect us and everything but like stay away from them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and may i say they are so cool
0: yeah no i love the dialy like the look and just the silent ninja type like way that they fight and like enforce the laws and Well, well,
1: well they've got these like super hard like rocks it making up these gauntlets on their hands and then they can where they can like catch a sword with their hand they can like telekinetically throw it to like grab somebody the literal long arm of the law
0: literally yeah yeah they're really cool and super super effective as well which i really like like they are not just kind of like the bad cronies that are like really just like terrible like they can't do their jobs like no yeah, and that's the word I was looking for. Um, yeah, no, they are super effective and very dangerous and you see that it's <laughs> a lot in this episode.
1: Long Fang used Dai Li police. It's super effective. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Oh my god. I didn't even I should have put this in the fun facts, but did you catch who voices Long Fang Absolutely.
1: Of him? It's it's uh, Clancy yeah. Brown.
0: Mr. Krabs!
1: Yes! Oh, I know him from so many things. Um I oh, yeah, for sure. I of course I know him kind of like how I know the voice of Robin. I knew him best from uh Justice, the Justice League TV show where he voiced Lex Luthor. You probably recognize mm-hmm. him also from Clone Wars because he voiced the voice of Savage.
0: Mm-hmm. See, I for me he is he's always gonna be Mr. Krabs, because that's <laughs> what I grew up with him. But yes i know that he is savage and um in clone wars he also was in what was it highlander was it was that highlander is that Uh, right
1: yes i believe so i believe so i'm actually (laughs) i'm sorry i'm way more familiar with his like cartoon voice acting than i am with any of his (laughs) live action roles
0: that's fair he does mostly i feel like nowadays at least he does mostly voice acting so yeah yeah no he's fantastic and honestly like I can hear him, but it's like a completely different character than Mm -hmm. anything else that he's ever done. Like, it's so menacing and cold, and yet, like, so in control. You're just like, damn, this guy doesn't need to raise his voice or anything. He just is in control. Like, he has all this power... He knows he doesn't have to raise his voice. Like it's yeah, why I he
1: struck like he struck that real Lex Luthor vibe for me because that's exactly how Lex Luthor was. And I was like, ah, you got the old Lex voice out for this one. the like <laughs> cool, controlled, calm businessman, but wielding incredible mm-hmm. dark power and a bad agenda. And I'm like, oh, nice. Nice to see you <laughs> right. again, Lex. Oh, sorry. I mean uh Long then
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, but he is actually. Um, one of my favorite secondary villains of the show and he's not used a ton because he's only just introduced halfway through the second season but i feel like for what he does he is incredibly effective and very very scary because he's like honestly the most realistic villain that the show gives us like it's because people like this exist in the world, like people in power, and it's just, it's scary. (laughs) Well,
1: what makes him so effective as a villain too, and I don't know, so obviously no spoilers, but I don't know how long he is a villain in the show for, but what makes him cool as a villain is that final scene where he's saying to them how all of this is necessary, how there can't be talk of the war, and how this utopia, I mean, a man who is not afraid to use a word as strong as utopia, and use mm-hmm. it unironically, he, there's nothing scarier than a villain with strong convictions.
0: Oh, yeah, that believes that what they're doing is right and yep. good and just. And it's like, because you can't reason with those kinds of people because they're like, no, I'm right, you're wrong. Like
1: <laughs> They called it's... me a madman.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I. that whole final scene. Again, we're just going straight to the end there. <laughs>
1: we tried we tried to hold back as long as we could yeah we jumped to the final scene
0: (laughs) just get right to the end um yeah that whole final scene of them talking to him in the library which first of all incredible set i Mm. love just the aesthetic of the earth kingdom with the green crystals and the fire which is very harry potter um and it, and it was so a good
1: cool. a quick note it's a good throwback to um way back when we first mentioned uh omashu with king boomi and mm-hmm. how he had like the red flame in his court. as soon as i saw red mm-hmm. fire or not red i keep saying red green fire green. in his core <laughs> yeah. as soon as i saw the green fire in there in the library i was like oh this is so cool it's giving me like omashu inner sanctum vibes
0: right yeah, no, the the whole design of the palace and the library and all that—it's it's very beautiful. But um, I love that entire last scene when the gang's like like see they're good calling them the gang. Uh, <laughs> the gang is just kind of confronted by Long Fang, and they're figuring out like oh my god, this whole place is just a giant charade. Like everything from the king to the people to the walls to this you know the syst- systematic um oppression—it's just like everything is a front. And this whole place is just, it's, it's awful. (laughs) Like, and the way that he's describing it as if it's this beautiful place full of order and peace and, you know, away from the war. And I'm just like, no, no.
1: Because he's looking (laughs) at something. He's looking at a goal that is so high that he's looking at the idea, the concept that they want to put in place being accomplished. But he doesn't see the human element of it—the way that people are suffering under this, and everything that it's robbing from the people who live in Boston, say. And so the you mm-hmm. know the fact that he looks—you know—I made the Thanos reference, but it's kind of on the same same vein as that. He has this this ideal that he wants to be achieved. You know, you know, wipe out half of the universe so that the other half can thrive. But he doesn't think uh, the humanity that's involved in that and the innocent lives that are being manipulated or destroyed or or thrown away the devaluing of human life against the ideal is where that sort of thing goes horribly maniacally wrong same thing with thanos Mm -hmm. same thing here with long thing
0: yeah yeah no it's it's really scary and like i said it's happening in the real world like exactly what he's saying some dictator halfway across the world is saying to the same you know to the the people that he dictates like it's terrifying um so we talked a little bit about long Feng and all that but let's talk about jet and zuko because oh yeah oh yeah i, I knew you'd want oh, to oh yeah
1: okay so so let me transition my thoughts to this jumping off of what we were just talking about mm-hmm. what i love about the episode in general is that this is a very intelligent episode this episode is the way you want to do things to put across a complex message. Let me let me let me kind of phrase this another way. You ever watch a okay. kids movie and the kids movie is full of dumb body humor and slapstick and the kind of things that keep little kids entertained, but then they sprinkle jokes that are way too intelligent for the kids to get, but it, they're <laughs> yeah. clearly either there's either innuendo or like some cultural reference that only the adults are going to get. And the kids, it's just like, huh? Okay. The next cool, funny sound effect happened or the next slapstick thing happened. And the kids are re-engaged and the adults got something. I've always held that. I don't like that movies are like that. I don't like that. They have something for, for like the little insane sugar high kids. And then just something tossed in for the adults that are, is completely separate and out of place i prefer things like this it's aimed it's aimed for kids and the, the he has lots of things in it he has the characters you love they're in goofy situations they're raiding parties in disguises silly things are happening but like they're happening in context it's not just like a three stooges you know skit right and so there's basic entertainment for kids but wound into the story is something that's so much more complex a little kid will be like oh the good people are actually bad people but Mm -hmm. all of the more sophisticated messages are there for us as we get older or an older audience going okay we understand the manipulation of information the silencing of dissenters or traitors. we understand the systemic this 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 systemic oppression Mm mm-hmm we see that in the episode depicted at the highest, the highest part of society, the executive level with Team Avatar. But then we also have the Zuko and Iroh and Jet storyline taking place in the actual streets of the city with the oppressed Mm -hmm. people and we get a taste in the
0: trenches in
1: the trenches exactly Mm -hmm. exactly the two places Mm -hmm. where these kind of societal conflicts take place at the highest level and then also at the lowest level the people who are actually having to live in it amazing And and so in that seeing the very human struggle there and then on top of it it's also complicated by what this is. That it's Jet trying to follow and spy on Zuko and iro trying to get them to give themselves away as firebenders. And I just love that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because then, layered yeah. into that is Jet's obsession with the Fire Nation that was already, you know, we know already from the episode that, yeah, it's just so well done it's so well
0: done (laughs) i know yeah i i love this episode so much because it really um there's so many levels (laughs) funnily enough like bossing say there's so many levels to it and it's so much deeper um kind of like how the gang finds out that you know this corruption runs so deep that it's baked into every facet of this terrible awful Mm -hmm. place and (laughs) it's like it's, oh man, it's so good. And um, just kind of talking a bit more about Zuko and Iroh uh, and Jet, I love (laughs) the moment where he's watching from like the rooftops into their apartment, you know, their little slum of an apartment. Mm -hmm. And he's taken the spark rocks to to make the tea, to start the fire for the tea. And Iroh's like looking around and he's waiting for them to, to use his firebending. And he just kind of disappears and comes back with more spark rocks. And he's just like, "Oh, I borrowed our neighbors; such kind people." <laughs> it's just like, "Don't mess up yet." It's almost like he knew he was being watched. <laughs> like, because if you think about it, Iroh, and you know, we get it more into this uh, with his backstory later. But like, Iro was under, or you know, he created—not created. Not creative, wow, what am I saying? He was the general that nearly breached bossing say you know years before so i'm sure that he knows how messed up this place is like he must have gotten intel or like knew that yeah this place is really messed up and so the fact that he would act that way it kind of it's almost like he doesn't even realize that jet's watching him but just that he is being watched period mm-hmm. by the daily by the other citizens like because nobody can trust anybody in this place and well, it's really scary
1: yeah and it's and and i mean and zuko already kind of gave him like a hail man you gotta watch it like people what if somebody saw right. you he's already gotten a wake-up call from zuko too on top of all of that so here's what i love i love jet as a character you know that i do I mean, I only mm-hmm. gave the episode that introduced it, it such a high. But a couple, couple of things about it. The episode is so intricate. <clears throat> and here's something I want to point out. That scene with Jet on the rooftop, watching them is so, so good. Let me kind of take mm-hmm. you beat by beat into, like, what, what I pulled from them. First of all, I love that he's there watching them in the first place. I love that he has intentionally set this trap for them. But I also, you know, it's a moral, it's a moral struggle for him. For him, it's that the fire nation is irrevocably bad they are bad people we know this from the episode jet because he was willing to attack an old guy a total just old civilian an elderly man of the fire nation not a soldier not an assassin not anybody of the ruling class just a guy just because he's fire nation and so we Mm -hmm. see this bias that he sees it as being evil now, if he sees it as being evil we see where he stands what his moral standards are he doesn't even consider for a moment that they may be in some way reformed or maybe that they've sworn off fire bending if it's the bending itself that he sees as like you know what's evil about them you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: if if they being firebenders is evil he isn't watching them to see if they're good he is intentionally sabotaging them in order to force them to be bad for sake of a better Mm -hmm. way to put it he is trying to railroad them into meeting his expectation that they are going to fail think Mm -hmm. about how toxic that is like yeah they're they're not even strangers to him but like just think about that in like interpersonal or like in the workplace or in relationships imagine having the sort of view that in order to be right you will intentionally sabotage and set somebody who you know up to fail so that you can point out what is then some moral failing of theirs like
0: Jet <laughs> is toxic.
1: Jet is toxic. It's so toxic. Okay. Now Careful let me jet. Let, now let me now and, and we see how self-righteous he is, this entrapment, because he's got that moment. And I love I've been playing it over and over again since I watched the episode where he's like, Have hey, you seen the spark rocks? And he's like, They're not there because I took them. You'll have to use fire bending. And it's just like Mm-hmm. you see how deliberate he just he, he that's immediately what he assumes they're going to do it shows the way he treats people because his view of people is that he thinks the worst of them immediately he doesn't even think and here's the last thing he doesn't even consider the option that they might go and humbly ask a neighbor and that a neighbor would be charitable and generous enough to give them the spark rocks that they need Mm -hmm. his entire frame of reference is expecting the worst from people wanting all of his biases to be confirmed and that he is so out of touch with the good in people that he doesn't even consider it an option that they someone else might help them Mm mm-hmm this guy won't even go yeah. ask other people for help unless he's asking them for help with his plans mm. he doesn't ask could we have some food he goes they're not giving us food therefore they're evil and want us to starve and this is an injustice i need to write by stealing the food and it's like
0: <laughs> he's such a martyr <laughs> just ask
1: somebody might have to assume the world is against you
0: right yeah and i mean it's not like like he has reason as to why he has that viewpoint, but that doesn't make it okay. Like you get why he has this bias against fire, fire nation, firebenders because they killed his family and probably everyone he knew. Um, Same with all the other freedom fighters. So like they, you understand, but again, it's like, that doesn't make it okay. And I love, I love how complex his character is and how even though, and that's the crazy thing he's not actually doing a bad thing this is the fire lord not the fire lord but the fire prince and his uncle who also tried to breach bossing say years earlier like that are now just living in the city so he's not wrong for wanting to turn them in <laughs> but it's just like you're you're in this mindset of like no no because he's being skeevy and like you know all oh, like hiding in the shadows and trying to as you said sabotage them like we're on zuko and iroh's side we don't want them to get caught even though they should be caught because they're not good people mm-hmm. <laughs> at least not this point um so it's just interesting i love that when you kind of get your you know who you're rooting for flipped
1: <laughs> yes and you know and i love that so much i love the mix of black and white in the morality struggles and the who's right and why what are their motivations and can we justify why they're doing a bad thing or why we're rooting for the bad guys here i i write Mm -hmm. dark fantasy and one of the things i've said to people when they're asking me what's dark fantasy what is dark fantasy aside from just regular fantasy is it not like lord of the Rings? And the way I always say, explain it to people in the simplest way is that dark fantasy is when the good guys are not necessarily good people. Mm-hmm. When the storyteller can tell a story in such a way, like this masterfully written episode, really, that makes you root for the people who are the bad guys and root against somebody who is doing something that is objectively the right thing to do, even though his motivations personally are not great like now you've achieved that you've achieved a complexity in your storytelling that makes the audience kind of pinch themselves and go wait a minute why am i rooting for these people why am i rooting against this guy and do i still feel sympathetic for him being brainwashed by the bossing say police
0: right <laughs> yeah that. That shit is fucked up, and that's I'm sure you've seen if you've seen any of the Avatar memes. Um, one of the most famous from Avatar, aside from the cactus juice, is uh, there is no war in Bossing. Say, you will see that phrase everywhere. Not even in just Avatar fandom, but just like on random youtube comments of people anytime someone is like delusional or like you know what i mean people just write there is no war embossing say and it's almost like big brother is watching that's like that's a phrase that is the exact same meaning and it's just oh it's so chilling and yet it's it's memed all the time Uh, but yeah it's so scary seeing this literal teenager being dragged away from you know this fight that he's having with zuko screaming at the top of his lungs and he's again he's not wrong yeah but nobody's believing him and he gets brainwashed in this you know just dark dank room and it's just like oh my god this is terrifying (laughs) especially
1: especially because once again you have that conflict of of morality on the audience's part where yeah sure we want the police to come and stop him because he's fighting our boy zuko we like zuko We, you know, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we're just like, but we didn't want him to get dragged away and brainwashed. And oh no, that was the actual reason that they're arresting him is because he's shouting up and down the streets that the fire nation is there. They're not actually breaking up a fight and making some call that he's in the wrong in a, a civil dispute. They're just silencing somebody who might disturb the utopia. And it's like, oh, I wanted this yes. five minutes ago. I don't want it anymore.
0: Right, take it back. Yes. I want a refund.
1: Yes, can I get a receipt for the story point? I, I I don't want it. <laughs> wrong size, wrong color.
0: Yes. yes. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And on top of that, you get an amazing. I mean, it's very brief, but a really amazing fight between Zuko and Jet. Oh,
1: it's where beautifully, Zuko beautifully. It's beautiful. Does not
0: get to use i know i you're, you you clearly want to gush about to go for it oh, it's so good
1: it's so good but even like the build-up for it is so good where jet bursts in with his swords and he's just like i'm you know, going to fight them and they have to defend themselves and the zuko gets the mm-hmm. swords and i'm just like it's on now
0: the fact that First of all, those, those dual broadswords are not Zuko's. He just takes them straight from a police officer's belt. Yep. <laughs> he is ready to throw hands. I love it. <laughs> He's like, I have been working all damn day. I don't need this. Well, I've been looking for an excuse to fight someone. <laughs> and don't
1: we all feel that way working retail?
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly (laughs) me at the end of my shift
1: (laughs) (laughs) and and jet and jet you know is one of the most formidable swordsmen that we have seen i mean i still Mm -hmm. remember the long drawn out fight between him and aang and correct me if i'm wrong but he bests aang
0: yeah, he does. It's not until Katara comes in with her water bending and freezes him that he's yeah. able to like be in- incapacitated.
1: Yeah, like it's he's such a, a great swordsman, but we all know how good Zuko is. So like we it's all kind of a foregone conclusion, you know, how that fight's going to go, but it is just beautiful because again, the fight itself means more than just swords against swords. There is that battle of thought of wills of him trying to goad zuko and iroh into using their firebending will they do mm-hmm. it will they not do it will everyone else listen to him will they regardless of how the fight turns out will they begin to question zuko and iroh mm-hmm.
0: uh, yeah and i love that it kind of in a way indirectly calls back to uh zuko alone when he was fighting against the earthbender with his broadswords and then you know, in a moment of sheer desperation, he busts out his firebending. Yes. And I love that he didn't do that. It's like he learned, no, I have to keep it in. I have to restrain myself. Like, because if I building. don't, we are fucked.
1: Character building that didn't require anybody sitting down and having a heart-to-heart. Exactly. We knew it because it was brought up in the previous episode and we just infer it on these events now. It rhymes.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like poetry, it rhymes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love
1: the back to back fighting.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Okay, let me tell you. Do you remember? This is like totally off, but do you remember when I was writing my episode nine script?
1: I do remember when you were writing your episode nine script. That's the most general question I've been asked. (laughs) I know.
0: I know. But listen, I I have a point. So, in that script, I Uh never ended up getting to this point writing wise because I only got about 60 pages in. But I was going to have a fight with Rey and Kylo Ren on the sand dunes of Jakku and the way I was imagining this fight is exactly like the back-to-back of Zuko and Jet where they are literally back-to-back and they are just like swinging from side to side hitting each other's lightsabers just like they do with the swords like that is the exact image I had in my head I know that's like really reaching out there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, that just no. shows how great that shot is because it's like a long take almost yeah. and it's just swirling the camera's swirling around them as they're back to back swinging their swords at each other and it's just such a cool action shot i love it
1: it's so good it's so good and i i presume from the way the action looked too i mean it's jam animation so their stuff is you know amazing um but that it was uh rotoscoped that it was two actual you know guys back to back and they just animated over it and like i love when they do that i love the way that it it looks so fluid and there's such weight to the to the to the bodies of the characters i mean the fight overall is just awesome but you know what else is really good what? the editing i love those moments where like the fight is going on and right when the swords contact it cuts away and i'm just like
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right you're like you love it but you also want it to keep going <laughs> you're like no don't cut away
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah no
0: it's it's really good
1: the mix of the political intrigue that is done so smartly it's not like it, it's political but it's not political it's 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 societal it's it's the control of information the silencing of dissent and all this stuff you talked about and then we're watching, as you said, in the trenches, what that does in a society. We're watching deception mm-hmm. and outrage and violence and then repression and silencing and imprisonment and re-education.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a lot for a kid's show. And I mean, I, I've never seen this as just a kid's show. But like, when you think about where this show aired on nickelodeon but they have this basically a kid's equivalent to 1984 it's like really and it only gets darker from here like it's crazy (laughs) this is just the tip of the iceberg
1: well you know to make one final final statement about the whole scene with jet i mean of all the things that we have inferred from this rich story i want to point out one last thing which i think will stand on its own without me needing any kind of soapbox when the utopian society sent in the thought police to go apprehend the guilty person, they apprehended the person who was calling out a threat, but they left the threat. Mm -hmm. The utopian society doesn't exist because they eliminate the threats, they just eliminate the people who are pointing it out. And ultimately that's how they fall apart. Because when nobody wants to hear about a problem and nobody wants to deal with a problem... The Problem ultimately comes back to bite you.
0: Mind blown. <laughs> Deep. No, you're absolutely right. Like, they don't do anything. They don't even investigate Iroh or Zuko or the claims or anything. They just take them away because they don't want to disrupt the peace. And it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> Literally, this whole thing could have been wrapped up if they had just taken Zuko and Iroh in. Like, <laughs> but nope. They just sit idly by. And it's, yeah. And that's gonna really come back to bite them in the butt.
1: <laughs> Ooh, is it now? I can't wait.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. You you ain't got no idea. <laughs> like
1: that. Mm. We'll see, we'll see what happens. to the dirt kingdom. So so we got our, our ratings for this still to do. And I was saying at the start that the IMDB rating was unjustly low. Unjustly low. Mm-hmm. So I am going to give this episode a hearty 9.1.
0: Ooh, nice. Pretty high for you. It's definitely one of the higher ones.
1: Like I said, I like an episode that is smart without being either A, preachy, or B, disjointed. The fact that everything, as we've Mm -hmm. said, was so perfectly locked together, the comparison and contrast, the pacing, the editing, just the whole thing is just really good.
0: Yeah, um, I think I'm gonna give this one a nine point five. This is definitely one of those ones that I go back and watch a wow. lot. Yeah, no, I really, really love this episode. It's got just so much intrigue, so much uh, creepy dystopian Orwellian vibes that I like. Um, I love the look of Bossing Say. I love the different levels. I love the introduction of Judy as a character. She's terrifying. <laughs> um, Wait,
1: Judy you know, one I love... or Judy two?
0: <laughs> Both. <laughs> All. <laughs> um and uh i love the introduction of long fang i think he's a great you know secondary villain um yeah it's just it's got everything it's perfectly paced and yet so much happens i love all the jet and zuko i love everything about it so yeah um only thing that i would say that would prevent it from being higher is that i actually do wish that the jet and zuko fight was longer i get why it's Mm -hmm. not but it's so well done the little bit that we get of it i wish that there was more of it um i think that, that would have just added just the cherry on top of the cake but mm-hmm. it is a really really good episode i really love it you, you
1: one could say that it's a comfort episode after how rough <laughs> it was dealing with fire lord giant drill. <laughs>
0: Good God, stop. I hate you.
1: You love me. (laughs) Oh,
0: God. (laughs) That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff.
1: You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood at Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.